Hello there and welcome to episode 6 of Technologic. It's been a minute since we were last here, so apologies for the delay between episodes, but we are back. And this episode will be the one where apparently everyone's a guru. And yeah, I'm putting guru in quotation marks. Uh, this is actually a good follow-up episode from our last one called CryptoCon Artistry, where I talked about some some of the types of cryptocurrency scams that are going on in the web and social media. Very good timing, given what's going on right now. This episode isn't about crypto, but it may not surprise you that the kind of people I'll be talking about here have also put some of their digital marketing muscle into that too. If there's one thing the internet, social media, and proliferation of online videos done, it's made a lot of people into so-called experts. You've probably come across more than one at this point. You know, the people who show up as an ad before your YouTube video starts playing and, you know, like the social media savant showing off a luxurious lifestyle that everyone, including you, should strive for. That kind of content is everywhere. Even the word guru has lost its meaning, if you ask me at least. By definition, a guru is a spiritual leader on a personal level. It comes from Hindu and Tibetan Buddhism, but it also has some significance in Sikhism as well. In Western parlance, though, it's supposed to signify someone who was, you know, like a mentor, an advisor, uh, someone who could share knowledge and guide others. But the word has also gathered some steam as a term of, well, animus and distaste. Uh, if you think of a cult leader, those people are sometimes referred to as gurus as well, and especially if there's like some kind of a spiritual element to whatever they were peddling. But there's not always a spiritual side to these things. If anything, the religion, or whatever you want to call it, is money, status, influence. Basically all the things that so many of us strive for because that's often how we measure success. So you might then be wondering why we're calling this Mindset Edition. And it's because the word mindset figures so prominently among those who say it's the key to attaining set success. The digital marketing techniques and questionable personalities behind them talk a lot about uh, like how shifting your way of thinking is how you reach new levels of achievement. It's almost like a video game. I mean, it sounds like a video game where like each level is a strata in society. Make more money and you hit a different level. Make more money doing less work and you could hit another one. Make more money doing your own thing on your own terms and you make it really big in life. As I thought about doing this episode, I went back to something that inspired it for me. So years ago, I'm on YouTube, and I'm waiting to watch a documentary on World War II because I, I really love those. And an ad comes up of some guy in a South African accent sitting on a couch in what looked like a condo with a couple other guys mentioning that he had a plane to catch. So he then goes into a whole preamble about how his life has changed and that it was his sound financial decisions that made all these things possible and, you know, I don't know, supposedly like made him live the way he does and on and on and on. So, okay, out of some morbid curiosity and a healthy dose of skepticism and disdain, I figured I would listen to this man explain to me what it is exactly that he does and how he can chat about it so casually when there's a flight coming up. So I'm 10 minutes deep and all I've gotten out of him are vague references to investing quote-unquote, making money work for you, and how I, after years of failure, he discovered investing techniques that made him a very healthy income, allowing him to live his best life. Okay, there's a key distinction here, and it's largely about the intersection between money and lifestyle. I'm going to talk a fair bit about that this episode, but I'm also going to cover the medium in which they're espousing and spreading their message. So I do want to start there, because the legacy behind this doesn't go that far back. Digital marketing is, in a lot of ways, an extension 
of what the infomercial was in the 80s and 90s, if you're old enough to remember those. It was a way to reach large audiences, albeit not at the best time slots. And, you know, they would use it to hawk a product or service that would supposedly make an impact on your life. There's a little of the whole shopping channel QVC thing going on, but those channels were almost entirely about selling products. The thing about it was that the whole segment on a product was like effectively a pitch to get you to spend money to buy it, right? Gurus who use digital marketing are essentially doing the same thing, only the product isn't so much a shiny new object, it's the promise of living better. So if you're around in the 90s, and, well, old enough to remember, there were guys doing this back then. You know, there were several of them. But I'm going to start with one guy in particular, Tom Vu. I mean, I got to admit, there was something about that guy that I liked a lot. Maybe it was his unscripted and accented delivery. Maybe it was the hilarious backdrops. I'm not sure, but in an ironic way, I went back on YouTube and found some of the old infomercials that they're there, and honestly, they're still gold. But I'm going to give you some background. Now, Tom Vu uh, was a Vietnamese immigrant who promoted himself as a rags-to-riches real estate expert who had clearly made millions if you were to go buy the yacht and mansion, indoor pool, fast cars, bikini-clad women, and footage of people lining up to get into his seminars. For about 30 minutes or so, he talked about how real estate had changed, that it was the best time to invest, that he knew the best way how, and that it was not out of reach for the average person. There was a certain comical element of the presentation, especially in those sound bites where he would challenge the viewer as to what they've done with their lives. The charm, though, was like it was part of the allure. I mean, he was likable, even if you didn't take him seriously. So much so, in fact, that the production values and presentation style were spoofed on shows like Family Guy, In Living Color, and Saturday Night Live. I would even argue that Vu influenced a whole lot of people doing the same thing years later and into the present day. Here's the key, though. The more he talked, the less he actually said. Vu actually never spoke to any specific deals he made, where he chose to invest, why he chose to purchase real estate in a certain area, or even an assessment of what market conditions were truly like, or going to be like. So... No, see, to get that info, you needed to sign up and pay to attend one of his 90-minute seminars wherever they were going to be held. Hey, maybe he was going to come to a town near you. What he did say, though, was there was plenty of opportunity in what you can consider distressed properties. So we're talking foreclosures, bankruptcies, tax liens, things like that. You would put low money down and then resell those properties for a profit. Depending on where you live today, I mean... The whole idea of that, the real estate market is crazy in some, some places more than others, but this sort of idea seems kind of insane given where some prices are. But Vu's scheme at the time didn't account for the real estate slump of the early 90s. And on top of that, he came under investigation in Florida. Now, nothing came of it. He was never charged with anything, but a whole load of students were upset with the promises they say weren't kept by Mr. Vu. If you make no money with me, you a loser. That's a verbatim quote from one of Vu's seminars, as reported by the Los Angeles Times back in 1992. We're going to get back to that quote in a moment because it ties in other things. But Vu, for his part, uh, kind of moved on from the real estate thing and actually is he turned into a professional poker player and has made some good money doing that. So good for Tom. But for now, uh, I, I did want to sort of go over to another guy uh, in a similar time frame. So another 90s guy named Don LaPree. This one does have a sad ending, unfortunately, because uh, LaPree committed suicide in prison with a razor blade in 2011. But in the 90s, especially in the mid to late 90s, he was everywhere on late night TV. LaPree 
had peddled some other things before, but it was the tiny classified ads business that he heavily promoted that I think most people would remember him for. Now, Lepre did a couple things differently from Vu. He shot his infomercial at what looked like a Caribbean resort. It had less of the fast cars and no yachts. Instead of bikini-clad women just hanging out doing nothing, we got to see the very easy on the eyes Cindy Margolis quote-unquote interview Lepre on his business and how successful people could be with it. Uh, just a brief sidebar here for another tech angle. Margolis, at one point, was the most downloaded person on the Internet in 1999. Lepre's infomercials started a few years earlier, but she was very much a recognizable figure, both from her modeling days and whatever else she appeared as uh, as a spokesperson or presenter. But anyway, back to Lepre. He chose to add legitimacy to his business package by having talking heads. You know, people who would, like, supposedly bought his package and already making good money from it? Margolis added another twist to the whole thing by seemingly asking important questions like, Okay, Don, but when I place my ads, what do I sell? The answer was almost brilliant because he responds with vague points about how many products a person could use and the best places to place the ads in newspapers. Now, I know I didn't play a clip for you here to hear what he said, but you'll notice that something's missing here. He never mentioned anything about how those who buy his package would actually procure the very products or services their ads would be selling. Kind of an important detail when you claim to make $50,000 a week. Predictably, Laprie got in trouble after the year 2000, including trying to peddle something else he called the greatest vitamin in the world years later, and so he eventually ended up in a jail cell. Now, I'm not going to kick a man who is no longer around to defend himself, but needless to say, the law caught up with him, and he chose to end his life, tragically, uh, as I mentioned earlier, in 2011. By 2011, YouTube was also changing. And in 2010, it increased the limit per video from 10 minutes to 15 minutes. Soon after, verified accounts and channels could go beyond that, all the way up to 12 hours like it is now. That was a game changer for digital marketing gurus because it opened the door to uploading longer videos to introduce more than just the guru themselves, but also his or her supposed lifestyle and whatever it was they wanted to peddle as a product. YouTube's algorithms eventually went their way too, where searching for generic terms like making money, entrepreneurship, work for yourself, could all lead to content from these types of people. Digital marketers, though, also realized that if they bought ads, they could reach a lot more eyeballs. Not everyone had to watch the full ad or click to watch a video. I mean, even a 1% click-through rate would be good enough to turn into a profit. So just to explain, a click-through rate, often known as CTR for short, is the percentage or ratio of people who see an ad and then click on it. That has been the metric for online advertising pretty much from the beginning. And selling the ads is what's made the likes of Google and Facebook so immensely wealthy and powerful. The gurus being the ones who buy the ads, use the ubiquity and reach of YouTube and social media to draw people in who may be looking for a change in their life or new ways to make money. And there are no real defined parameters here. It, it literally could be like a career change, a side hustle, or pretty much anything in between. I don't think the gurus really care because, as I'll try to explain, the ultimate success of those consuming their packages, programs, courses, whatever you want to call them, is probably none of their concern. I'm reminded of a YouTube ad that was just all over the place back in 2015 from a guy na named Ty Lopez. You might know this one. I mean, you may have even seen it at some point. Like, here's a bespectacled Lopez in a garage with a Lamborghini that he supposedly just bought. 
saying it wasn't the car he was more interested or impressed with. It was the wall-to-wall bookshelf filled with books that he pans over to. Knowledge, he said. That's what he was really pursuing more than anything else. And that the Lambo was there as a reminder that dreams are still possible. Look, did he read all those books? I mean, he claimed in the video that he read a book every day. Well, never know, but I do know what I would bet on if there was a wager on the table and a way to prove it one way or another. But regardless, many have made fun of or spoofed what they call the Here in My Garage video. Do a search online for it, and I'm sure you'll find plenty of unique takes on it that are pretty funny. I call guys like Lopez mindset bros because they use that word like a carrot, dangling it in front of whoever is watching or listening. They treat it like a hook to catch you. And it's how they give themselves an out when their online course or program doesn't end up working out for those who bought it. They didn't have the right mindset, they would say. You need to change your mindset to get or take all the wisdom and tutelage supposedly coming out of the stuff they're selling. And by the way, we're talking about like significant sums of money here. Some courses can start at 200 bucks, but usually we're talking 500, 1,000, 2,000, even as high as $10,000. I'm not sure that mindset is the only thing holding back someone who spends that kind of money seeking knowledge and guidance only to end up in the very same spot they started at. The mindset syndrome is certainly not just for male gurus, by the way. There are plenty of women out there doing their thing, too. And I see a number of problems with all of them. The ones who push entrepreneurship as a lifestyle, who incessantly talk about generating wealth and overpromise and underdeliver at the same time. So here's the typical formula. And it's a lot like how I touched on earlier in the episode with that finance clown uh, who found Apple time to talk when he was supposed to be going to the airport. So they'll talk about hardships, like how they failed in the past, businesses or ideas that went nowhere, how they were desperate, looking for a way out. Maybe they worked at a company and wanted to quit. Some details may be different, but the basic premise is almost always that they were living in rags and cue the inevitable camera shot of some form of ostentatious wealth. Could be a Lambo. Could be a Lambo in front of a mansion. Could be a Lambo in front of a mansion with a pool. Could be a private jet with a Lambo in front of it. You won't always see women at the outset, but trust me, they make their appearances eventually too. And that's also when they bring up how they started their own business with a little capital and built it into some multi-million dollar juggernaut. They may have no college or university education, a poor working experience in the corporate world, or an innate desire to do their own thing. There may be other stuff sprinkled in there just to make the case even stronger and more personal, I guess. I mean, it all varies. And then, boom, they may change, as they say. They alter their mindset, and things start to go in the right direction. They absorbed whatever they could learn, feeding off knowledge wherever they could get it. What's interesting is they present little tangible evidence for this. Now, forget all those material things, because it's hard to know whether they've just rented them the same way a studio would for a commercial. The purpose is to trigger an emotional impulsive response. They'd rather you don't ask questions and take a leap of faith. Trust them implicitly. And if you do ask anything, they might turn it around on you in a way where you have to qualify yourself to them rather than the other way around. Are you sure you want our course? Like, Do you have the mindset for it? Things like that. Sorry, but to me, it's it's just an insidious way to sell a dream. And unfortunately... The algorithms that are out there just dig a rabbit hole deeper and deeper into this. Personally, for me, okay, I'm speaking for myself, I have no interest in what the likes of Ty Lopez, Dan Locke, Grant Cardone, and others like them have to offer. Nor do I find people like Gary Vaynerchuk, better known as Gary V, or Tony Robbins particularly inspiring. 
but watch videos from any one of them and you're likely to see a flood start in YouTube's recommendation engine. You might even see ads from people like this, you know, just doing watching other videos. And equally insidious, at least to me, is that this kind of nonsense attracts those who feel lost, broken, misguided, or just people who are just dreamers who want to make it big with a shorter turnaround. Uh, Dan Locke, for example, claims anyone can make good money as a copywriter. Uh, no, that's just not true. I mean, I've done copywriting myself, and I also write for a living as a journalist. To suggest that anyone without real writing experience can suddenly learn the craft and achieve significant success from it is misleading, to say the least. I've watched several of his videos, and take away the flashy suits. Uh, I'll admit, he's got a pretty nice tailor. Listening carefully to what he says showed me that the expertise he's dropping, it was just little more than generalities that I could find for free online. Just with a simple search. Nothing really stood out as insightful or especially interesting. And I really try to keep an open mind, right? I mean, I'm, I'm always open to having my mind changed on things. So then why do people get roped in? Well, in my opinion, it's kind of like how illusion illusionists do their thing. Like if you think of David Copperfield and David Blaine, for instance, they've been so successful because their shows and tricks, they lull you into a false sense of perception. You're seeing and hearing things that in reality you know or you should know aren't real, yet your brain is fooled and your senses react, right? But not only that, you're also convinced of their abilities. You're convinced that they are something sort of beyond, you know, what, what certainly what you'd be capable of. And so you're sold not just on the show, but on the showman as well. And what they're trying to give you is an incentive to recognize less of what you have and more of what you don't have. Hence, all the material things and, hang and hangers-on acting as social proof in these videos. So here's what I suggest. Use the internet to your advantage the way they try to do it with you. Do your research. I mean, if they ever mention companies, some will. If they ever mention companies they've started or worked for, check them out to see what comes up. Scrutinize their work history, however you can find it, and take a good look at their social media profiles. With all that stuff, you may find clues on when they actually started the accounts, when they started working, you know, where they work. And, and also if certain things don't line up, like maybe certain posts got deleted on their social media or there is a period of time where nothing really appears in their work history. And especially look for reviews. I mean, check reviews from those who have bought packages from these gurus to see what their experiences were like. If Gurus talk about making big deals to sell or acquire companies because I notice that this comes up a lot sometimes too. Try to find the fine print. Just because someone sold a company, they started for $200 million, it doesn't mean they got $200 million for themselves. After all is said and done and you know lawyers are paid and all whatever fees are involved and depending on how many stakeholders are in the mix, they probably pocketed a small fraction of the total. And finally, ask yourself, why would a guru who is supposedly an astute and shrewd businessman or woman sell their knowledge at $1,000 a pop when they're supposed to be making millions with whatever other businesses they claim to run? Uh, and, and don't fall for that extra revenue stream thing because no one running a multi-million dollar business is going to be running around doing endless videos and seminars coming up with a slew of courses to sell to the broader public. It, it, to me, it just makes no sense. I mean, unless, well... Unless the courses are their only real business. See, that makes more sense. 
Time and money go hand in hand for anyone running a business. And while I get there's plenty of passive income involved with selling courses, there's also a beast you have to keep feeding because there's a personality cult hovering over it. The courses are not the real driver for the business. It's the guru, him or herself. Digital marketing is huge. And I mean, I mean that literally. It hit 305 billion US globally in 2020 and is forecasted to go up to 807 billion by 2026. North America, key stat here, North America will continue to lead the way with up to 42% of that share over that projected period. Now, I got these stats from expert market researchers. It's a firm that tracks this, among other business enterprise intelligence data. And the indication here is that clearly this type of stuff is going to go on. Like digital marketing is going to be used. Yeah, it's not just gurus. I mean, corporations are using them too. But if the numbers hold true, it means, particularly for the gurus, that they'll keep on doing the same thing and utilizing whatever digital tools are available to them to lure people in. That's why it's important to protect yourself by understanding what to look for and find better resources online that won't tank your hard-earned money. And before I do sign off here, because my time's about up, I want to be clear that I, I don't want to disparage the word mindset completely. A, a good mindset is important. Don't get me wrong. But as I've talked about in this episode, these gurus manipulate the words meaning and intent. And so healthy skepticism will keep you honest and informed. And hopefully that's what this episode has left you with. As always, we'd love to hear from you and share your thoughts or experiences with any gurus of digital marketing practices that you might come upon. We'll be looking at other types of digital marketing gurus in future episodes, so look out for that. And feel free to connect with us over on Twitter and Instagram at technologic underscore cast or email us directly at talk at technologic.com. We'd love to hear from you, so don't be shy. Thanks again for listening and see you next time.